Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 216. 216. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, we got uh, some calamities brewing over in Afghanistan. We got oil prices around 66. Uh, we got some news going all over the world, man. Uh, how are things going for you this morning? Well, you know, uh, better than they are in Afghanistan. So that's yeah. that's pretty good. Um, no, all things are considered. Everything's going pretty good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain over here. As you say, oil prices, WTI is trading it. Just almost sixty-seven dollars right now. Um, so it's, it's come down some, you know. Keeps keeps kind of cruising on down, and we'll see. We'll see how long it goes. I mean, let's see here. A month ago, um, okay. So a month ago on the day it was. Well, is it on the day? I don't know why it says a month ago on the day. But anyway, so it was sixty-six, but then it shot all the way up to on the twenty-third, you know, seventy-two, seventy-three, uh, almost seventy-four, right there, and so we've had a nice little. Nice little sell-off here. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And then, you know, with the Afghan stuff, I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot, but I am wondering, you know, what this does for the stability in the Middle East. Does this carry over? Is this a one-off event? Do we see things kind of settle back down? Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, looks like some bad stuff going on. You know, I know I know you got the, the pro-Trump crowd kind of celebrating seeing Biden do so bad, and then you got the – pro-Biden people that are trying to blame it all on Trump and um, man, it's just bad for these, for the folks that are there. I know uh, there's been some threats from Taliban on some Christian churches there. Um, so I, I, I wonder though, Ryan, so I, I think 10, 15 years ago, you would have seen something like this cause a bump in the oil prices and, and ours are still sitting pretty low. So I know we've been kind of uh, you know, pounding this drum for a little while, but just the market doesn't respond quite the way it used to. Stuff like this used to really affect the values a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I do think that you might see a little bit of overreaction historically. If this gets into Iran, you know, if this, if this I don't think it will, but if, it's, if this were to spread out across the Middle East, I think you could see the prices um, reflect that. I think the, you know, the next question is going to be is what does the U S say it's going to do with this, you know, Middle Eastern policy? Is it going to, you know, put more troops in different spots? Is it going to pull out all, all the way across? Um, you know, for instance, so Biden came out tomorrow and said, listen, you know, Afghanistan's a train wreck. We see that, you know, we're wasting our time. So we're going to pull out troops across the Middle East. Well, in that case, I think you would see prices go up because people would be concerned about the stability of mm. the Middle East. On the flip side, if he comes and says, well, you know, Afghanistan is a lost leader, but we're going to double down troops here, here, and here, you might see prices feel more assured. So I think that's probably what to watch um, in the coming days and weeks. He's on vacation right now, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Saki. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Great time to go on vacation, by the way. Yeah. That Cancun trip for the uh, cruise <laughs> where he had to freeze out. <laughs> uh, so there was a, there was an article that came out about three days ago. Um, and actually, I saw Dr. Anas uh, put out a tweet uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. But it's kind of touching on the same issue. So this is a Forbes article. And the title of it is Biden's plan to outsource the U.S. oil and gas industry. Uh, so some of you know, 
uh, the Biden administration reached out to OPEC, and we cover this on the show, uh, to increase oil production beyond what they had uh, kind of forecasted for themselves in order to bring the gas prices uh, down a little bit because they're, you know, they're, they're moving up pretty, they were moving up pretty rapidly. Uh, they kind of stalled out around $2.70 where we're at. Um, but um, it's interesting as people are covering this story, kind of the reactions that you get from people. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've had conversations with a lot of different folks uh, and not many people are happy about this. Um, and that's been, been the feel that I've gotten is even people that don't really follow it much when you actually have the conversation with them, you know, even if it's independence, they don't understand why would you want to make drilling more difficult here and then turn around and then outsource it to the Saudis in order to bring the gas prices back down. If it was about climate or if it was about the emissions, we probably do it cleaner than the Saudis. So why? So what's what's the angle here? And uh, and many people can see right through it. It's just about money. It's about knowing, being able to pick and choose who can drill here and lace the pockets. Yeah. Another thing I think is, and listen, this is a, this is Trump did the same thing. To be clear, right? He called the uh, OPEC and asked them to increase production, and many yep. were. Yep. Many were upset during that. Very time. upset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is not, but if you're on the left, it's very easy to call OPEC and ask them to increase production in hopes that you lower gasoline prices in the US so that the consumers don't feel the pressure. Right. That's very easy to do because no one on the left goes crazy over increases in Saudi production. If they did, Biden couldn't do that. And so what you have is, is if the left was actually consistent in all their climate change uh, hyperbole and hysteria, they would just go crazy. They'd lose their mind over this, but they're not. And so therefore they let it go. Um, and Biden couldn't do this. Uh, now, I'm not that, that that's my biggest issue is that, you know, we're, we're, we're losing our mind over climate change here, but he does this. And where's where's all the calls? And you know, why is this not a 24 seven news story? I mean, if tomorrow he came out and went opposite on the on the federal lands and went opposite on a lot of his policies and really opened up drilling and lowered some kind of you know offered to tax cuts and whatever people go crazy they go crazy right mm-hmm. he calls opec says increased production no one no one bats an eye okay there's some people don't see an article here and there but by and large the media and the elite don't care which goes to show you their real concern about climate change right so well, that's that's the thing. So, I mean, the, the, and you boil it all down. Um, I think he, he shut down the I think the Keystone Pipeline, but then there's another one that he was supporting or supportive of, uh, and I forget which one it was. But um, I guess the the point would be most of the people that are calling these shots aren't necessarily concerned with climate. They're more concerned with their ability to control energy just being able to control it right now. There's a group of people that are making a lot of money off of it. If we can stifle some of that and transfer some of that wealth to this group of people over here, we can take a cut out of that transfer of profit and we can become rich ourselves by helping these people get more successful. Uh, that's the issue at hand for the most people. And and the, the thing for me is even with the climate folks, I don't think they understand what's going on well enough to, uh, to even know how to voice concern. So if you were a consistent climate person, you would want us producing the oil if it's going to be produced, right? Because it's going to be going to be cleaner. Um, 
which I, I that there's just not enough consistency, like you say, on on the subject. Um, but I, it's going to be something to to keep an eye on uh, because I think my my guess would be the Saudis uh, they kind of like where the price is, but the opportunity to go and make more money and strengthen a relationship with the U.S. and the current president and his administration would probably bode well for them. Um, so I would anticipate they would do it, right? Right. Well, the other thing is, is that the big difference between Trump doing it and Biden doing doing it is Biden doesn't, there's not a whole lot of oil and gas voters that are voting for Biden, right? Whatever his voter base is, um, or whatever the oil and gas voter base is, uh, I'm talking about the oil field workers, not necessarily some people a little bit further away, but, you know, producers, midstream companies, whatever refiners, whatever percentage of that base voted for Biden, um, it's not a substantial amount uh, of the overall industry, I would, I would guess. Whereas for Trump, when he did it, you know, he really got a lot of pressure from people because that's a substantial portion of the oil and gas industry voted for him. And so Biden, so for Biden, there, there's really almost no risk here. He gets, if, if the Saudis increase production and the gas gasoline prices as a result go down, the U.S. consumer is happy when he didn't lose any voters because most people on the left don't care. And they're going to vote for him anyways. Win. Um, and the oil and gas industry, by and large, expected him to do something like this. So there's not there's not a whole lot of risk here at play for him. Hmm. That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, so moving on, Ryan, to the, uh, the next article we have. So this one is MRT. Uh, Texas Supreme Court temporarily blocks local mask mandates um so governor greg abbott it says uh, this is a subtitle has won the latest round in his battle to ban mandates for face coverings um so i'm not sure so but based on what i'm seeing he's trying to ban the mandates um i don't understand why um well I, i i guess the point would be you don't want you don't want businesses to have to require face masks if a business wants to wants to um, require right. face masks there's not really an issue but requiring the businesses to ban or to require masks so the requiring the mandate to require the mask is, is the issue here that i think uh the governor is trying to stop um and it looks like right now there's a small win but didn't uh, there was a, a article or a, a conversation me and you had, Ryan, that uh, some of the stuff was getting passed up to the Supreme Court, and a lot of them were just kicking it down the road. They didn't they didn't really want to deal with it. Yeah, and I think the thing for the oil and gas industry here to watch is obviously the impact on demand. But the other thing is, um, since COVID of last year into this year, you you've seen good whether you agree or disagree with what happened. Let's put that on the on the side you've seen the balance of power and how that plays itself out has really been pushed, pushed the test, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Supreme court, the president, the CDC, the Congress, state, local officials. And that's the same thing at play here is that you're seeing a battle now between local judges, local county commissioners, local mayors, whoever it is, uh, versus the governor of our state in particular. Well, this won't only apply to mask mandates. This, once these power battles are, are determined, um, that will set a precedent moving forward. And so what are the exact applications for oil and gas industry? Well, obviously the mask, whether or not that would be one thing. Um, but aside from that, you could see this being used as a precedent later on down the road 
um, to hurt or help the industry, depending on how things shape out. So I don't, I don't think these things are, when you look at it, you go, oh, what's the relationship here with the oil and gas industry? Well, obviously the, the impact on demand. Um, but the other thing is, is the balance of power from the federal level all the way down to the county level is being questioned in our country. Uh, and that will impact what, who, you know, who wins these battles in the courts um, will ultimately impact, um, you know, a lot of things that we can't actually forecast right now. So, you know, two, three, hmm. four years from now, someone will say, oh, well, re remember when the governor did this and he lost to the local judge because of that? Therefore, the local judge has authority in these matters, and this matter is one of those, and all right, and so the, that, that's how it works in government. So um, it is something to watch because we could see a lot of shifts in power um, that that we, we didn't expect to impact our industry that will. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm, that I'm looking at uh, is just, as these mass mandates ramp back up, um, if you have mass mandates and you have really strict policies, from my perspective, you're going to see less people going out to restaurants, less people going out and doing stuff. Um, if we get back to the point where people are grub hubbing the food back to the house, uh, they're staying in, uh, they're, they're not going out as much, you're going to see a big drop in demand. Um, I know I know there's multiple perspectives on it and I really don't want to be you know, disagreeable in any way. It's just a, as, as just a fact. If you drive out to the store, the chances of you swinging by to pick up ice cream on the way home is relatively high on a you know, Saturday evening. So you have more uh, things being bought and, and, you know, picking things up and bringing it home. There's a certain amount of money being spent, but you see what I'm saying? There's stimulation when people get out and do stuff. And, well, and I'm, I'll just say, I'm sorry, cut you off. But we're seeing right now with Nate next week or this week, actually, um, a lot of the uh, events around NAPE have been canceled because of uh, rising cases. And so, yep. you know, there, that now how much actual oil and gas demand is that on the global scale? Not much, right? We start adding it up here, adding it up there. Um, and so to your point, um, it might not be a global shutdown again, but you might see demand kind of ebb and flow a little bit because people change their habits. Uh, they restrict their spending here. They do something different there. Um, and so demand is a little bit harder to predict because as cases rise, um, you know, events, parties, conferences, travel, vacations, all these things, um, getting ice cream from the store, all these things compound to make a, a significant difference. Yep. Yep. And that, and then that, that impact on, on man, uh, will affect, you know, companies, um, you know, the third, fourth quarter projects that they're planning. So, um, it, it all gets factored in, you know, they're, I'm sure a lot of them are hesitant to over drill, um, just from, just from last year. So uh, there was an article that came out, Saudi Aramco, this is Heart Energy. They aim to raise $17 billion from gas pipeline, sources say. So they're working with J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs on the deal to tap potential buyers. Um, $17 billion. I saw another article that said it's $25. Um, I'm going to go with this one, though. So who, who uh, bidders. They, wait, who are they working with? Who? who? J.P. And they're who? working with J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs. So just write those names down. Okay. All the listeners just write those names down. And when those companies come out and they talk about anything in the U.S., right? Pipelines, yeah. Pipelines, ESG, environment, climate, humanitarian issues, anything in the U.S., then just remember, just remember this story. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah, it's, it's just funny, man. I, I say funny if it wasn't tragic. That is it, so disingenuous. Um, and that... that it really gets to the point of ESG. I think um, you can you can basically posture in a way that doesn't really cost you that much money, uh, a certain position without actually taking it. 
Um, all you have to do is like Coca-Cola go out and give a reducing whiteness in the, in the company without really actually changing any of the policies. Um, and they get praised and, um, anyway, um, so 17 billion they're looking to raise and, uh, it seems to be a, a deal that's really going to, going to be a, uh, a great investment opportunity. I mean, you got people like JP Morgan looking at it. Um, they haven't commented, so they declined to comment. Uh, but this is definitely a story to keep an eye on. Um, and then Ryan, we have another one. Oh, um, go oh, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing just to, to watch here is two things. One, we talk about the capital restraints in the U.S. right now in, in, in our industry. Um, and so you're seeing if the Saudis are successful here, that that is a function of the U.S. market and you know, what's going on here. Um, and, in, and so if you say, well, some of the people that are interested in, in investing in this aren't necessarily U.S. companies like China's invested in it uh, or not investing, is looking to invest. Um, uh, who was the other group I saw? Uh, yeah, Abu Dhabi is considering it. Uh, there's a handful of groups that are considering it. But if they pull this off... Um, and J.P. Morgan Chase or Goldman Sachs are a part of it, then you have to do question how much the narrative around you can't invest in the U.S. is there. Um, if that is true, then I think we get to push back and say, well, you guys are you know, obviously helping groups raise money across the world. Um, the other thing is, you talked about the Middle East earlier, um, you know, the stability here. If China invests this pipeline, which they like to do or try to do, um, you know, the U.S. has to consider rethinking its Middle Eastern policy because China is willing to invest in these groups, um, you know, Aramco or whomever it might be in the Middle East over and over and over again, uh, because they look at it from a standpoint of making money, not from a standpoint of controlling the Middle East. And so um, I know everyone's always afraid, you know, China's a big threat, China's this, that, and other. It's like, well, here, here's your chance. You know, China's looking to invest in this pipeline. Well, if you're scared of China, um, you know, maybe you should take the opportunity to invest and keep them out of it. Yeah. Uh, so there's an article, Ryan, uh, Pioneer is looking to, uh, let's see. No, it's Chesapeake. Pioneer Chesapeake Energy. U.S. Shell Pioneer Chesapeake Energy to buy gas producer Vine Energy for $2.2 no, billion. No, no, no. It's, 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 no, it's, a, it's a bad headline. Pioneer. <laughs> yeah, a, that's terrible. That's a terrible headline. <laughs> it's a bad headline. Man, it's, it's just Chesapeake Energy. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm seeing Pioneer and Chesapeake and thinking, right. like, were yeah. they like partnering or anyway? Yeah. So uh, Chesapeake Energy to buy gas producer Vine Energy for 2.2 billion. Uh, that was M and A um, for the roundup. There's also another article on. We talked about BHP. They were looking to exit the oil and gas industry. There were some updates uh, in the news this morning. So they're meet. Uh, they're merging hydrocarbon business with Australian producer Woodside Petroleum. Uh, so this. These talks are continuing forward, and it looks like it looks like this deal is actually going to go through. So I know that, that last time when we talked about it, it was more so they were in talks. Now it looks like they have progressed a lot further down the road. So um, things are, are certainly moving in that direction. BHP is trying to exit the oil and gas industry, so um, they're they're looking to to get out. Yeah, and, and listen, Chesapeake. Every time you think they're dead, they're the Jason, you know, for the long time listeners of this program, we, we joke, they're the Jason of the oil and gas industry. Every time you think they're dead, they come back. And so here they are with a uh, vine energy. And I believe our friend, I think Sergio might've had a, a story on this as well. If I remember correctly um, over on Bloomberg. So, but yeah, Chesapeake's, Chesapeake's back. So the question now is, is 
how long until they they screw it up and you know they're, they're bankrupt again so yep <laughs> yeah well, listen we love the folks at chesapeake it's just it just is what it is so all right um anything else joshua no i think that wraps us up for today man short and sweet short and sweet and listeners with that um we'll be back oh oh hey let me drop this little knowledge on you so if you're not listening inside the war room um and you watch tiger king i've got a pretty good surprise coming up on inside the war room at the end of this month so I'll just tease it there inside the War Room podcast. I've got a pretty good Tiger King surprise coming up at the end of August. And with that, until next time, keep bombing.